It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik, this is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Coming up on today's show, I think we have to address... This enormous scandal in Major League Baseball, the Houston Astros found guilty of illegally using technology to steal signs live during games and relay those signs to hitters in the batter's box. You know, I think there's a little bit of confusion. If you don't really know the rules of the game, you might think, you know, other teams do this type of thing without using electronics, but there's a big difference between using electronics and using your eyes. So, We're going to discuss that, talk about the unprecedented punishments, whether it's enough, and then, of course, the bombshell firings of A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau. So besides that, we're also going to continue to focus on the Giants. I think we want to revisit this Zach Cozart trade because I still think that there's some confusion out there about what the point of this trade was and what the value was for the Giants. Uh... You know, there's been some talk that they paid a hefty price to get a first round pick, but I wouldn't, I'm going to make the case that they actually got a massive bargain. Uh, this is relevant again because Zach Cozart was designated for assignment yesterday. So actually, that's where I want to start. And in the second half of the show, we'll kind of use that time to talk about what's happening in Houston. But yesterday, the Giants announced that they had designated for assignment Zach Cozart in order to clear a 40-man roster spot for Jake Jewell, a 26-year-old right-handed pitcher from the Angels organization. But so it just essentially proves what we've been saying all along on the show, that the whole point of acquiring Zach Cozart was simply to buy the prospect Will Wilson. And obviously, most media outlets reported it as such at the time, although Also at the time, I mean, if you watched MLB Network, because this happened at the winter meeting, so had that on, and the the analysts on the panel did not understand that the trade was not about acquiring Cozart. So there are fans out there who think the whole point of that trade was the injured 34-year-old underperforming Zach Cozart, but it was clearly just a buy a prospect move in which the Giants essentially paid Cozart's one-year deal of $12.67 million to acquire Will Wilson. So there were some other variables as well, including the fact that the Angels are the team that paid Wilson's $3.4 million signing bonus. So the real world cost financially was Cozart's $12.67 million minus $3.4 million, which comes out to $9.6 three million dollars essentially it's nine million two hundred and sixty six thousand six hundred and sixty seven dollars so the giants paid you know about nine million dollars they also gave up left-handed pitcher garrett williams as the player to be named later in this trade so that was the real cost 9.3 million plus 
Garrett Williams for Will Wilson. And the reason I kind of need to talk about this today is because I noticed there was a tweet from Henry Shulman after Cozart was DFA'd saying that, quote, yes, SF Giants are gambling $13 million that Will Wilson will be a stud. That's way over equivalent slot for a number 15 overall pick. If Wilson doesn't pan out, hindsight says the deal will have been a huge mistake. But if he becomes the player the Giants feel he is, they'll easily cover that $13 million salary. They won't have to pay a potential free agent or the salary of an equivalent player they acquire via trade. So he goes on to like kind of justify the move. I think he supports it, but I also think this is 100% actually not the appropriate way to view the trade because the slot value of the pick does not remotely resemble the open market value of the pick. And so this has been studied over at Fangraphs, the value if teams could essentially buy these draft picks, what would be the open market value? Because the slot value is immensely suppressed compared to what those picks are actually worth. For example, the number one overall pick had a slot value in 2019 of just $8,415,300. There's just absolutely no way you can make an argument that the number one overall pick is only worth $8.4 million to teams if they could buy it on the open market. So this has been studied, as I said, over at Fangraphs, and they've pegged the value of the number one pick at upwards of $45 million. And for a mid-first-round pick, let's just say 15, where Wilson went, they've pegged the value of that pick at $18.4 million. So just going by that alone, the Giants got about a $10 million bargain. I mean, they also gave up the, the prospect Garrett Williams, and he has some value. But still, not. I don't think Garrett Williams is worth $10 million. So the Giants still got a big bargain there. And then Alex Pavlovich of NBC Sports Bay Area talked to some rival executives in the aftermath of the Zach Cozart deal, and several front office people said to him that a large market team would certainly pay 20 to $30 million for a mid-first rounder from a recent draft like Will Wilson. So by that account, the Giants got a 10 to $20 million bargain in their acquisition of Will Wilson. The slot value just is irrelevant in this conversation. Like, for example, the number one overall pick in 2019 was Adley Rutschman to the Orioles. And there's just not a chance, not a remote, not the most remote possible chance that they would be willing to sell Adley Rutschman, trade Adley Rutschman to a team for the slot value of the number one pick, which is about $8.4 million. As Fangraphs pointed out in their study, which by the way, this was done by Craig Edwards and published in April of 2019. Shortly after he was drafted, if the Orioles wanted to sell Adley Rutschman or trade him, it would cost a team probably at least $50 million. And that sounds more appropriate given the value of that number one overall pick. So there are several lessons to take from this. First of all, prospects get the short end of the stick here, you know, draft prospects getting their $8 million bonus Yet, you know, the actual value there is closer to $50 million. So it's a bad deal for draftees, but it's how we have to look at them from an acquisition perspective. And then, of course, we do have to factor in the signing bonus because, you know, for someone like Rutschman, 
for example, they had to pay him that signing bonus. So any team that acquires him in a hypothetical, if they aren't paying that signing bonus, that's something you have to subtract from the acquisition cost. And that's what we need to do with Wilson and his $3.4 million signing bonus. So financially, there's just zero way to characterize this as a huge mistake because Giants are just, for 2020 purposes, paying Cozart's salary, which is, again, like $12.67 million. Yet that's not prohibiting them from spending any additional money this offseason. So there's absolutely zero risk in that regard. If it meant they couldn't make additional moves, then there's the opportunity cost of that money to acquire somebody else. But they still have a ton of money before they even get penalized at all from the luxury tax. And they have been very clear that they are willing and able to spend right now. They've got like 50 to $60 million before bumping up against the luxury tax. Anyway, coming up in the second half of the show, we'll switch gears. I think we need to address what's going on in Houston with the Astros and across baseball with this cheating scandal. We've kind of been intentionally holding off on addressing it until the punishments were handed down. So that finally happened, and we'll discuss that next. But first... Okay, as promised here in the second half of the show, I want to talk about what happened in Houston, MLB hammering the Astros over definitively cheating in at least 2017 and parts of 2018. And we know that they continued to cheat throughout the 2017 postseason. So to me, their championship is absolutely tainted at this point. And the way they were cheating is worse than what other teams have been accused of so far. So just to recap, the Astros definitively cheated using a live video camera and and live video feed that was coming to just outside their dugout where they were zoomed in on the signs that the catcher was giving with nobody on base. I mean, I'm sure they were doing it with people on base too, but with nobody on base, catchers don't disguise their signs typically. You know, in 2019, they did a little more, including in the postseason, you're talking about disguising signs with nobody on base that means you're paranoid about cheating which was going on but you know before teams were that paranoid which it turns out they were right to be paranoid you know they're just putting down old number one for a fastball number two for the curveball four for a changeup, three for the slider you know and the astros are sitting there with somebody just outside the dugout watching on a zoomed in feed of what sign the catcher is putting down seeing the sign and just banging on a trash can to let the batter in the box know what pitch is coming. Uh, the commissioner's report on this, where wherein he handed out the punishment as well, states that it was a player-led operation. So it was the player's idea and it was the players executing it. And manager A.J. Hinch was aware but didn't do anything to stop it. I think there may have been some lines that he wasn't necessarily pleased with it yet he did not do anything to stop it gm and president of baseball operations jeff lunau was believed to have been somewhat aware of the practice yet mostly kept a distance from it so to me being the president of baseball operations and gm if you have any awareness that this is going on and you don't do anything about it that makes you culpable so what did MLB do? They handed out one-year suspensions to Lunau and Hinch. They levied a $5 million fine to the Astros, which is the most allowed by the MLB constitution. 
and they stripped the Astros of their first and second round picks in 2020 and 2021. Additionally, owner of the Astros, Jim Crane, went beyond MLB's disciplinary action and elected to dismiss Lunau and Hinch of their duties. So Hinch and Lunau fired from the Houston Astros. It's just an unbelievable fall from, I don't want to call it grace, because we've always heard that the Astros have a cultural issue, especially in their front office. And I think the Brandon Taubman incident kind of illustrated that. That was just this past postseason where he was fired because of verbally assaulting female reporters. But, you know, to be perfectly clear about where I stand on this, I thought when the punishment from MLB first was handed out that it was not severe enough. A one-year suspension didn't feel like enough for this type of egregious violation and cheating. We've seen lifetime bans. We've seen someone like Pete Rose banned from baseball for life. I just think this is worse. And it completely tarnishes the reputation of the entire organization and the players. I mean, the players get off scot-free, and I understand that. You can't necessarily prove who was doing it and who wasn't. And ultimately, the responsibility lies on the manager and the GM slash president of baseball operations. So also significant here is the fact that Red Sox manager Alex Cora is named in the report as basically the instigator of the entire operation when he was with the Astros as their bench coach as recently as 2017 when they were cheating. Carlos Beltran also believed to be someone who came up with this idea when he was a player with the Astros. So Beltran is the new manager of the Mets. Very classic Mets that even though they had nothing to do with this, probably uh, their brand new manager, whom I'm sure they were excited to roll out, is at the center of this scandal and now will be facing all kinds of questions and negative attention in the media, undoubtedly. And so for Cora, he might face the greatest suspensions of all. Beltron will probably not be suspended because he was a player at the time of the cheating. Cora, though, was the bench coach and, you know, as the mastermind behind this plot, he may face stiffer penalties than Hinch or Lunau. And so I would expect at least, I mean, at least a one-year ban is a given, but the question is, will it be more? Will it be two, three, or lifetime? And once that happens, will the Red Sox follow suit with the Astros and decide to fire Cora? The Red Sox stand accused of cheating as well right now, and that's why Cora's suspension hasn't been announced yet. They stand accused of cheating in a slightly different way, where they were using video to decode signs that were being concealed, you know, like when the catcher puts down multiple signs with a runner on second base. The Red Sox were allegedly using video to try to figure out the pattern and then relaying it to people in the dugout who would relay it to the runners on base who would relay it to the batter. So that's still bad. You're not allowed to use video to do that. As a runner on base, you are allowed to just look in and try to figure it out yourself. So to me, the, the video, using video to try to help you with that process is not that bad of an offense. It is still illegal because you're not allowed to use technology, whether it's camera or binoculars or anything, to try to do that. You are allowed to use your naked eye. So that's an important distinction there. So, so it is cheating, but to me, it's just way less bad than, than the Astros real-time relaying to the batter from a trash can 
uh, especially the, the catcher and pitcher had no idea they were being watched, so they weren't even attempting to disguise their signs. That being said, I'm sure what the Red Sox were allegedly doing was probably something that was more common than than we think. We know, I think there are at least six or seven additional teams who are believed to have been doing that. So last thing I'll say on this topic is think of the 2017 season. The Astros won the World Series. 2018, the Red Sox won the World Series. These are the two teams that stand accused of cheating in those years. And the Astros, you know, the report on the Astros says they were doing it throughout the postseason. So they won the World Series over the Dodgers in seven games, including some crazy games in Houston, where the Astros came back from several deficits. So you feel a little bit bad if the Dodgers were not doing anything to cheat and the Astros were. I know it's a little bit blasphemy around here, but you just don't feel good about a team cheating its way to a championship. So to me, these players, their reputation is forever tarnished, and it's a shame because they were a likable group. But now whenever I see Bregman, Correa, Altuve, Springer, and all of those guys who, who have been on that team, their reputation is tarnished, and I'm not going to consider them legitimate champions, and it's just a shame for the game. So that is all the time we have for today. Remember to get this show every single weekday. You need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Kaspik. If you like this show, please consider rating it, leaving a review, and telling your friends and family to check us out. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow, and until then, we'll see you next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.